Hi, and welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Tara Humphrey. I run an award-winning healthcare consultancy specialising in supporting primary care networks. I'm a facilitator. I am a mum of three. I have an MBA and I would class myself as a bit of an adventurer. And I absolutely love all things business, all things leadership, all things management. So I created this podcast for clinical and non-clinical colleagues working in the field of health and care and for those of you looking to develop your leadership skills. Every week we release an episode which focuses on the hard and soft skills required to lead in this increasingly complex environment as we move to delivering more integrated care. So let's jump into this week's episode. And welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast. I hope you guys are doing well. So I'm so excited to bring this episode to you. In this episode, we are featuring an entrepreneur called Maddie Julian. She is the co-founder of a community interest company called DigiBeat. And DigiBeat provides online resources to support young people and families to manage diabetes. And for those of you that are regular listeners, you may know that My youngest daughter, Talia, was diagnosed on Christmas Day when she was five with type 1 diabetes and at the time of recording, she is now 10. We haven't had the greatest relationship with our community diabetes team, but they'd sent out an email and said, are you interested in this app called DigiBeat? And I opened it up. I went along to the educational session and just fell in love with it. It was exactly what we were looking for. It was clear information, something that Tali, it was for Tali, it wasn't just for me, it wasn't just for families. Tali's mixed race, so she could see people that, that look like her, which is, which is so rare <laughs> and so amazing. And we use the app all of the time. And I really wanted to get involved with the organisation and use my platform to help raise awareness, A, of type 1 diabetes and B, of this amazing app and online resource called DigiBeat. So in this episode, if you have got an interest in diabetes, please listen. If you have got an interest how to implement technological change in the NHS, please do listen. If you are a primary care network manager or digital transformation lead, please do listen. If you are a healthcare professional, any kind, you will have a family that has got type 1 diabetes in your community. Please do listen to this episode. Enjoy. Hey, Maddie, thank you so much for joining me today on the Business of Healthcare podcast. How are you doing? I'm fine, thanks. Yeah. And thank you for inviting me. I'm excited to be here. My pleasure. So our paths crossed because my youngest daughter, Talia, has got type 1 diabetes. And one evening I opened up the e- I opened up an email from my community diabetes team and they there was this thing called DigiBeat. And they said, do parents want to come along for an, an information session? It's really strange. And I keep thinking, why did why did I didn't just delete that? But I was intrigued and I was a bit like, I feel like that commentary is just showing interest in your daughter's well-being. So I went along to the information session and it was so, so good. And I will explain what DigiBeat is to me and then obviously you can share because you're the founder. But to me, DigiBeat is an app that 
my family, but more, most importantly, Talia can use to learn more about her condition and help her to understand what that her condition is and understand her symptoms from people that look like her from young children that have got diabetes. And she just loved it. I gave it to her. We kind of logged in and she, we went, she kind of went away and then we did the quiz. We failed the quiz. We did it again. again. (laughs) And yeah, there's one family. It's really interesting. There's one family she just keeps going back to and watching, which is really, really sweet. So that's how I stumbled across DigiBeat. And I just feel like you're going to think, Tara, I'm like somebody that crashed the party and never left. <laughs> so Maddie, so Maddie's a founder. Maddie, you'll do a much better, eloquent job in introducing DigiBeat. But could you share a little bit about who you are and what DigiBeat is? Thank you, Tara. It's just so fascinating to hear that story. And, you know, thank you so much for sharing yeah, so well, I'm I'm Maddie Julian, and I'm the CEO of DigiBeat. So, like you, Tara, our journey with began before DigiBeat actually, because we were diagnosed. Uh, our little son was diagnosed aged 20 months, so he wasn't yet two. He was really, really poorly, and was in DKA, so diabetic ketoacidosis, and it was a bit touch and go. And he was in, you know, intensive care, and it was really hard. And that's how that was our first introduction to diabetes. We knew very little about it apart from type two diabetes, which I think most people know. And but type one diabetes was just complete unknown to us. It was really kind of post that, so about six months post that, that we started thinking, this is so hard. We were crying in hospital. Um, It just felt like such grief because we kind of went in with one child and came out with a whole bag of things to manage and do. And he didn't speak, he couldn't tell us if he was high or low behavior completely changed overnight and it was he was like he had behavioral problems and that's what the nursery said to us but we now know it's it's diabetes related it's highs and lows so and obviously as he's grown older we've now got a a nine-year-old it's not quite the same and he's you know he can tell us when he's feeling low or feeling high but before it was just a big protest and so we, I'm a teacher by um, profession and my husband um, had a small production company, which I helped him run as well. We just really one day just thought, we, we, this, this journey is really hard. This hospital care was great, but you manage diabetes 99% outside of the hospital. Once you leave the hospital, it's you and a book. How am I going to manage this diabetes? And every age, there's a new challenge, something new to come across hormones, growth, testosterone, if you've got a boy, and all sorts of things. And and school and teachers and every new carer that comes in contact, you have to retrain them. And we just had an, an idea one night, what if we could actually create some kind of platform that we could share with the community and families to help them train everybody else outside. So the parents, the grandparents, and and extend what the, the amazing clinical care we had in hospital, because we kind of best practice in Leeds. We were really lucky under Dr. Fiona Campbell. Can't say that enough. But we knew that we looked at the forums and people, it was just very different across the country. So how could we help that situation? And I, from a teaching background, standardization is something that is kind of in, it's imprinted in me. It's like, well, why isn't there standardization? Why can't they expect the same care as we get? You know, I, I could, just couldn't get my head around that. So we approached uh, uh, Leeds Children's Hospital and they kindly said they would support us. And we went into partnership. And that was in 2016. First of all, we put the first 10 things we learned in hospital up, the essential care, and together we built it. And so DigiBeat now is a 
a platform. So there's an open website, digibeat.org. So it's www.digibeat.org. And that website's open to anyone. So primary care, people, nurses, want anybody who wants to know more about diabetes, parents, teachers, friends of the, of people with diabetes who just want to know a little bit more they can go on and they can see like visual case studies real families managing diabetes not cartoons although we have got some animations but we use animations to explain things but we use real people to talk about real diabetes and i think that's what's like different we've also got a diabetes app which is what you've been talking about so the DigiBeat app is, you know, holds some of the resources that's on the website and more really. It's more about the self-management of diabetes. So a place to organise your diabetes, a place because it's it's a huge organisational burden, especially with all the technology. So you can record all that sort of stuff in there and all your ratios. You've got access to all the age appropriate education and quizzes. And as you get older, automatically when you change birthday, it gives you a new set of people to look at and a new lot of peer, digital peer support. If you're a family that maybe lives more rurally or not necessarily near anyone with diabetes, you've got that access to some peer support and those young people as well who maybe won't go to a peer support event. They've got it in their hand and you'll find them watching it when you're not looking and, and accessing it. There's also lots of technical information there as well about all the everything you can, you can get now to manage diabetes. So pumps, insulin pumps and you know, continuous glucose monitors and, and all of that. So that was the problem we wanted to solve we're still working on it. It's an iterative project. And Tara, you'll know you come to us at Keen and, and we're all like, yeah, we, we want to work with anybody who's who wants to help us improve our service. And it is an ongoing thing and everything changes with diabetes and the way it's managed quite quickly. And so, yeah, that's where we are today. So effectively, long-winded, it's a platform and an app. <laughs> How long has it been going for again? So we started, we set up in 2016 with a sort of ETS website, something we put up ourselves. And then um, we self-funded that first part. How much was that? So it was about £10,000 or something to get the initial videos up. We then went for some funding and we basically got funding from anywhere we could. Morrison's Foundation, Nisa Shops gave us some funding and lottery funding and some local charity funding from Leeds Children's Hospital. We hodgepodged it together to create the first platform. And then from there, we sort of, we went fully on into creating the app and and attracting sort of different funding for that stuff. So it's been a real mission and we're now centrally commissioned by NHS England and we've got 214, sorry, 217 clinics using DigiBeat and 56 young adult clinics and we're really keen on that ensuring there's a safer transition from young people's services to adult services so people can log out of their children's services now log into a young adult code and see their new team and where they are and hopefully stop them falling off the cliff. I'm sure it takes probably a small village to establish a company like DigiBeats. Has there been any one particular person or any key organisations that have helped you along your journey? So we've had loads of really important supporters of DigiBeat over the years. Um, it started obviously at Leeds Children's Hospital under Dr. Fiona Campbell, who's been amazing. And, you know, that's been about seven years of support. But also we met Professor Partha Carr early on as well. And uh, he he was really on board with our ideas and he really liked it and has supported the development all the way, and which has been fantastic and continues to do so. And we've also, uh, we've had lots of support from the Yorkshire and Humber ASHNs as well, and the diabetes charities. So we've formed kind of collaborations with Diabetes UK and JDRF over the years, and JDRF's a really strong uh, supporter now. And of course, we're recognised by the Health Foundation as well, which has been amazing. 
Now you mentioned the problem that you were trying to solve. How did you know that that was a problem other families faced around the point of diagnosis and then understanding the condition taking her I remember I remember feeling like there was I don't know what it was called but it's like this blue green book which I call like it wasn't called this but it felt like I think I would say to it was like diabetes 101 and they basically just put it on the bed and said like look through this and we're gonna like test you to see you know like if you can look after your (laughs) child how did you know your problem was a problem that other parents or other families faced? Well, we did our research. Obviously, we went out there. We asked the questions. We we spoke early to the family network that were that were out there, and we also, you know, were were members of all of the forums, and we could see what was coming up. We we were working with the National Diabetes Network quite early on to find out where the where the issues were, and and actually that's kind of how we solve all the problems that come up. That we the di- so the digital enablement really of the National Diabetes Network is through DigiBeat. So you know, as issues arise, we think right how can we solve this problem so for example school awareness we did a big project with jdrf where we put lots of resource around and creating kind of best practice guides for school not just paper guides but video guides actual teachers talking about what what good looks like in schools and that's what we signpost to 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 people to use there was a step before then so you didn't go from my child's got type 1 diabetes to working with national organizations so you've got a young I'm trying to understand so you've got a young baby type 1 diabetes you're a teacher on maternity leave your husband's got a production company there was a problem and I created the app the NHS is one of my partners and I'm also working you know like the national um, like with national organizations like there were steps in between that yeah, so the, the, I suppose the first step was getting involved with the, first of all, was obviously these children's hospitals. So they were our clinical partner. They gave us lots of oversight and access to 500 families that were also, you know, and we we worked with them to put the beta site up and we showcased that in front of our local families and got lots of good feedback. We went through a very, very detailed co-design phase, which I think is probably what you're trying to get at. So we did that with a, a company called M Habitat, which were are now Thrive by Design, but an NHS spin-off. And so they helped guide us through a nine-month co-design process where we looked at kind of all of the, you know, the families, the issues, and we worked with families quite intensively. So there was like 10 families in the co-design group, but lots more families surveyed. And we did our market research, really. And that's kind of where the building blocks of DigiBeat came from. And actually that really detailed co-design process is what's continued to thrive with DigiBeat. So it's a co-design sort of cycle of care, if you like. So everything we do now goes, and this is what I was sort of saying before, goes into a start with the families and the healthcare professionals. And we iterate until we get something that we think is is reasonably close to good for both. And there is a balance because it's what, you know, there was lots of chat early on about digital, about peer support and how we could match families within the app. And actually the maturity of what we were doing wasn't there to do that at that stage because we didn't have a national profile or, a, a, you know, ability to, even the technical infrastructure to kind of do that. But also the clinical safety case around all this work has, is, is huge, has to be really, you know, considered so carefully. And our clinical safety case takes up a lot of our time looking at the different 
iterations. And so certainly something we're looking more at now and we're able to do because I think the clinicians are kind of ready for for, for this and understand peer support better than they might have done eight years ago. But yeah, so that's kind of where it started off. So it started off with lots of families and that's where it's spread in terms of family understanding and liking and wanting to get behind DigiBeat. So in biasly where I'm in primary care there is a new role called the digital and transformation lead and some people do that role and some of us will be managers that also pick up digital and transformation and I just want to highlight so for those of you that have got the opportunity or see a need like some of the things and Maddie you've gone through this process tremendously successfully what you have said is that that you identified a pain point you managed to work with a key partner and that was Leeds um, Teaching mm. Hospital, which exposed you to multiple families where you went for a co-design, pro- you underst- understood what their issues were. You did some market mm. research, did some co-design. You also got in a partner to help you through that design process. You've iterated things. And I think what's really something that we really need to think about is understanding and appreciating like the maturity of our idea and resources mm. and just the capability and yes, you you know, it's great to start with a grand vision, but you just may have to scale back and think about governance and, you know, like your clinical safety Definitely. and your GDPR and all of yes, those things. Absolutely. Like it it yeah. takes time. Um, and I just think, you know, like it's the basics, it's the fundamentals, but sometimes kind of just run into the project and you don't take the time to project manage it or go for, use frameworks to help shape your yeah. thinking. Definitely. I mean, I would, I've been recently, I've actually had a few people come to us and they've got ideas and they think they're really ahead of it. And they're, you know, they've got a great idea within this sort of area and want to partner with us and things, but have not understood the DTAC requirements or the clinical safety or the IG requirements or co-design and all of these things need to be built in as part of design and I suppose when I'm talking at the beginning I'm kind of assuming that people will sort of understand that and actually that's bad on me because I didn't understand that to begin with I had a really good mentor earlier on called Victoria Betton who some of you might have heard of she's done lots of amazing work and a great clinical safety officer as well who she introduced me to and so what Victoria did was really sort of set me down, sit me down and talk to me about those things. So those sort of infrastructure elements that, you know, need to be considered and actually sustainability as well. You know, how is this going to be sustainable? I was lucky because I've actually been in uh, alongside support from her in the early days. I was in I was also in taking part in four accelerator programs now and I'm part of the NHS accelerator program at the moment. So the NIA and, you know, I've been through these programs and I've often seen people sort of so I know all this and I never say I know it all because to be honest it's all every day is a, a school day as far as I'm concerned and you never lifelong learning is because I'm a teacher that's been kind of that's always again that's a sort of a skill that's been built into me I really feel that it's always something you can get out of these things and actually each one of them sort of helped with just analyzing and looking at others as well and looking at what other people are doing and making sure we're keeping abreast of all of the necessary compliance that we that we need but also that we're we're building things in the most agile and best way as well and it's open networks too so networks that wouldn't have been there and I'm a big believer in networking but networking in a way that you are really kind of tailoring 
those networks can be incredibly fortuitous, you know, fortuitous and really bring on your, your business idea or whatever. So in, in answer to your question, absolutely. And we became from the beginning, really, within the co-design process, we adopted a safe by design, clinically safe by design element to what we do. And also the other phrase that we use in DGB a lot is community, community led, but clinically approved. And those two things are sort of like there are kind of mantra, really. Without those two things, you don't have something that you can share Going back to networking, I think in the short time that we've been talking, I think you are incredibly clear in your vision and your mission and what resources that you want. And I think again, for our listeners, I think what I really want to make this podcast is, you know, that you can listen to like an inspirational person and go, oh, that was great. And then you kind of go off and cook your dinner and you never forget, you know, like you'll never remember. And I really want people to stop and take note of the things that you are saying. And I think even how you deliver like the the vision for, or the mission for DigiBeat and how it came about, because in the NHS or in any warp of life, people are really busy. Not everybody has the time to listen to you stumble and waffle your way through what it is that you're trying to convey. Mm-hmm. And I think you're very clear. So I'd be saying to my colleagues, you need to choose your people wisely to do that behind the scenes brainstorming. But when you're going out to network, you do want to be clear. You do want to say this, no, this. I think we had it even the other day, whereas because I'm type, well, I say I'm like, I'm all about type one because that's what Tali has. And you were like, in a nice way, and type two. We need to be really clear on our message. I think that's really, really, really important. At what point did you think I'm not going to go back to my teaching job you know still wake up in the night sometimes thinking about that (laughs) (laughs) I actually I really love teaching at college but things changed a little bit after having children and taking a break it became increasingly difficult actually so I was starting to tell colleagues my last teaching job I was still teaching when I had my second child Dylan so he was that was into 2018 I think I was still teaching part-time I was sort of starting to tell people a little bit about this idea I had you know but I was incredibly lucky because I had a teaching job at the time which was was in special needs and it was in complex needs and I loved it absolutely loved it it was a tonic because you know it's completely different to what I'm doing now it was very slow it was a very fast world and I always felt like I could just give them the best day. And it wasn't a huge planning thing. It was it was about going in and performing for them. And they might not be around tomorrow, some of those young people. Uh, that's what I used to think. I used to think, right, well, I just want them to have the best day. And that's what I used to do. And uh, so anyway, that's a little bit about my, um, my last teaching job. But yeah, so I guess it could probably got to about 2018 and things were starting to take off. We had, we delivered the website. The app was in development. It was really when the app was taking quite a lot of time. So probably when we were starting to get paid from it, really, if I'm honest, you know, we, we it's a community interest company, so we weren't getting paid much, but we couldn't live on completely fresh air. So it was when we could. And I think that was probably late end of 2018, I would say, that I was completely finished teaching. And have you ever hit a period where you thought, oh, S-H-I-T, what have I done? Or has it all been like, just not plain sailing? No, it hasn't been plain sailing. (laughs) Building a business is really hard. And what they don't tell you is that it's actually going to be really hard to get a mortgage for a while. And despite even when you are doing better, they're still looking at your accounts from like three years ago because you're seen as being self-employed and things like that. And that's really hard. So 
there is you know ebbs and flows of funding we're very fortunate to have a national permission but it's very important to us and to our service I've never ever regretted doing DigiBee. I absolutely love it with every fibre in my body. This is why I'm here. I do uh, to do DigiBee. Like that's I've got no no qualms about that. And I love the fact that we're making a you know and our evaluation report. Some of the families talking about the fact they had it in the middle of the night and they didn't have it last year, and they you know stopped them from needing to call the team and actually supported them using the orange box, which is the hypo treatments. These are huge things, and actually I'm really really proud. To have to to have been delivering this service but yeah there is always challenges and it's definitely not been plain sailing and sometimes we've had very disappointing knockbacks from funders and things in the early days it was because we were a family team and that was very interesting but there was a couple of funders who didn't like the fact that there was two members of a family and together and all this sort of stuff just really silly reasons because I mean you just sort of have to go to people well do you know the story about Marks and Spencers? You know, a lot of these big, uh, you know, a lot of organisations start from families because it's a passion or it's a mission or it's a, and that's certainly what DGB is. So yeah, there's definitely be some highs and lows. And some days it's just like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. And then other days you can next day can be completely different and you can feel really rock bottom with it and think, God, this is really hard. But I never doubt the mission because whichever way we are doing something that, hand on heart feels really good and feels right and I think the experience young people get by telling their stories as well and and families and talking about their well-being is huge and it's one of those sort of things that just has ripples so it helps the family that, that takes part it really helps the extended community it helps the people you train it just has such a long life highs and lows a bit like diabetes <laughs> but mainly you think you're doing something good The Business of Healthcare podcast is brought to you proudly in partnership with 10,000 donors and their Gob for Good campaign. Gob for Good is all about getting as many people as possible to join the stem cell registry. Only 3% of the UK are registered to be stem cell donors and only 0.4% of the global population. If you or a loved one have the devastating news that you have been diagnosed with a blood cancer, the chances of you finding your blood stem cell match is significantly reduced if you have a minority ethnic heritage. It is really, really simple. All you need to do is click into the show notes or visit the Gob for Good website at gobforgood.com and get yourself signed up to the registry. You could one day receive that life-saving call or one day you may need that life-saving call. Now, let's jump back into this week's episode. probably I'm not the greatest spokesperson but I, I I think one of the things I'm quite passionate about when it comes to DigiB and any health tech is that there will be clinicians that just just don't think it can work and I just think Harley got diagnosed when she was five she's now 10 she's going into secondary school that's you know that's a challenge you know like it's not just going to secondary school she's like the last child to go to secondary school which is amazing and also like oh my god and we're so worried or we were so worried and it's like we've got the support you know like we don't need to be worried we've got the support in the community team on the app I'm sure I could connect with a family via DigiBeat if I needed that we've got the tech and I just think it's very preventative. So speaking of knockbacks, speaking to a primary care network that were like, not our problem. You know, the community team are commissioned 
to look after children with type 1 diabetes. So we don't really need to, we don't need to, we don't need to worry about us. And I think, well, from a parent, you know, like you spoke about DKA, Tali went in at DKA, you know, she was so poorly. We were in Chris, we were in the Evelina on Christmas day mm. and they were like, you know, she's really sick. And I think the point I'm just trying to make is that Tali now, and I know you're not affiliated with any other tech companies, but she uses Dexcom. She's got DigiBeat. By the time that she's an adult, or maybe not by the time, I have no doubt that she will be so educated about her condition that it will save clinical time moving forwards. Yeah. And it will help with yeah. going into employment. It will help with her mental health, all of that stuff, her physical health, because she has got the tech and she has got the community. I was going to say, unfortunately, on her phone, but actually not unfortunately, because, you know, like she's got a compute, powerful computer on her, like all the time. Why not use it for good? So I think yeah. that's my passion in saying it may not be for everyone, but it will be for a lot of people. It really is. And actually, you've done all the hard work for us. All we just need to do is recommend it to our patients. Thank you so much. It's lovely to hear that. But I think you're absolutely right. When we go, this is no, we know that the doctors and the GPs and everyone are under a lot of pressure. Yeah. But when we do go into uh, the GP, often they don't know really of, we've moved, we've moved a bit actually, we've moved around a little bit and people don't always like they'll, they don't understand what the kit is necessarily or how diabetes is managed. And we have had sort of scenarios where we've gone in and like, you know, we've gone in with like a fruit shoot and the, and the doctor actually said to us, oh, why is he drinking that? If he's got diabetes, it's like, well, first of all, it's very low sugar. And also he can drink anything or eat anything he wants. He might be in hypo as well, you know, for, you know, so it's, it's one of those things where we don't expect the doctor to know everything. And we really, I think as families, we're really happy, aren't we, to sort of step in and just sort of say, oh, what it is. And But yeah, it would be amazing if there was just a bit more awareness of these resources to signpost out to families, you know, and also to just, you know, know that they're there. If you've got families in your network, in your primary care network that have got, you know, that have got diabetes, that you were able to have a look at it and just know what's there, because it is been funded by the NHS it's got some really great digital peer support as well where we know that a lot of families don't make it and there's this for, for years there's been lots of conversations about inequalities and why some families don't do as well as others and you know DigiBeat's really keen and clued into this we've developed lots of language resources we're developing our resources into 10 languages but we also know that some communities won't necessarily come out and meet these traditional family networks that exist because they're not always sort of representative it's difficult isn't it um we tend to I go went to your diabetes camp yeah <laughs> okay we left early yeah <laughs> <It's> really... <laughs> it is really challenging it's not for everyone well my son you know I laugh in but my son he's not going to go it's gonna it's it's like we we put on events as part of digibeat and it's very difficult because i'd be like oh otis would you like to come along with us no no you know i don't like crowds and then it's like slam the door and so these are real people aren't they we can't force people all into the same thing so i think there's probably different support for different people different families yeah, 100%. making sure everybody knows about it is is really great and yeah i think taking an interest even if it's not the priority but putting a poster up in a clinic or in a in a GP surgery things like that really helpful 
And I know we've talked about the challenges of DKA and people not being diagnosed, but the story we hear, 150 families plus we filmed, and it's the same story over and over again about you know going back to the gp and them not recognizing it and it's, and it's we know it's because gps only probably see like two well they've t- ours told us this like they've seen two cases of diabetes in their whole career but it's still worth knowing about those cases because there are families who have lost their children you know there are mums out there some famous mums like beth who you know she does lots of campaigning she lost her son and sometimes it is too late and it was almost too late probably for our kids um you know luckily it wasn't but it doesn't take long for you know and we sort of activated parents but what about the parents who sort of I don't know think I'll take them to the doctor later or and can I just say but I would say I fall into that camp and I'd say to any person that looks after another person young or old you know like well but I'm speaking from a mum's perspective you look at your child and you think you don't seem right but then I'm like because I've got another I've got three children I'm like a high user but they think hello Mrs Humphrey <laughs> what's wrong today and you kind of don't want to be that person and you just I'm an ard and it was only when she flopped onto the sofa in a really like weird way it was like she just could not be bothered to yeah. just hold her body up I was like oh my god we need to phone the ambulance and luckily given that we'd had taken her to the doctor for multiple times before then we phoned up the ambulance and he said what's what's the matter and I said well firstly she's got this like listen to her breathing and she's got this really weird smell and she's been wetting herself and she's just breathing like I can't I'm not gonna make the sound it's just really strange yeah and the first thing he did he said he just leant forward smelt her breath and said, does she have diabetes? And then did a finger prick. And it was like instant, you know, like I've been to the doctors like three times. So mm. I think, yeah, not just doctors, you know, like even parents and even I'm saying to Valentina, like yeah. anybody, you know, like if they start wetting themselves, you know, like if they start feeling really thirsty, if you're not sure, you'd have to take them to the doctor. Like I would say I fall into the camp of like, I should have done it earlier and I should have trusted my instinct mm. earlier and pressed rather than go, okay, I'll just take her home. Very, very difficult, though, isn't it? To kind of, it was only when a friend of mine who was a nurse actually said to me, Look, I think you need to take them, her, him back on Monday because it probably isn't, but it could be diabetes. And she was the one who kind of confirmed my thinking. But at the time, I was like thinking I was being melodramatic. That is the problem. And I, I probably would extend that as well, just to say, I just like us all to talk about it a bit more. Yeah. You know, to just, if, if whoever's listening on this, you know, just remember. Toilet, thirst, tired and thinner are the things that you need to remember, the four T's. Um, and on DigiBeat, we've got an awareness page and you can share. It's got a cute little video, of animation of children's drawings of them going to the toilet and stuff and a little rhyme on it. Diabetes UK have also got loads of information out there too. We're all there trying to share it, but sometimes we're sharing it amongst ourselves. It's really yeah. difficult. If everybody just went out and, and and then also just remember, you know, prick the finger. That's all we need. We just need one finger prick is what you're going to is how we're going to solve it. So if you remember the four T's, toilet, tired, thirst and thinner, and you remember to, you know, to ask for a finger prick or to tell people to go and get a finger prick to check their blood glucose. It is an instant thing. I couldn't believe it when we were diagnosed because I was like, how do you know straight away? <laughs> Yeah, well, we didn't have the finger prick. She had this, as they say, it's not like it's the smell of pear drops, but it yeah. wasn't. I remember putting her in the bath, and that's a shame. Mm. And, and then I think, but you still smell. Yeah, like, mm. what, what, what is it? 
talk to us about data. So that's one thing you guys are really good at collecting. How do you get that data from? And had you always started out like that? But it seems very important to you guys. Yeah, data. So no, it's quite funny, actually. One of the reasons that we were so struck by the book when we were diagnosed, and I'll come back to data, it, it comes into play. Both Rob and I, my partner and I are both dyslexic and we're both quite creative and visual. And we thought to ourselves, well, we, I've got an MA and I can't, I, I can't understand all this. And you're trying to test me by the end of going home. <laughs> and it's like, how am I trying to take this in? And that was making me cry more behind the curtain. Fast forward a few years once we've developed this. And we didn't really understand the power of data when we were starting to develop it. But we soon did because there was like, well, how are we going to measure this? How are we going to evaluate this? How are we going to know that it's working? And actually, digital health um, interventions are really hard to measure. They are really hard, especially when you're talking about improving quality of life, which is really where DigiBeat is. Now, quality of life isn't just fluffy. It's not just like, oh, we're going to make someone feel better you know, feel happier in their day. It's actually preventative. Like you said, it prevents future complications of diabetes. If people are managing themselves and feeling better about their diabetes, they're less likely to access services, less likely to go back into DKA because they stopped taking their insulin and other things. And so, you know, the question of how do we measure came up? And so we had lots of time thinking about this. And really, again, it was about sort of digital maturity again, because whilst we had a website, we couldn't measure anything. We wanted to keep it. We had to constant fight with ourselves. We, it needs to be open access so everyone can see it. We can't measure it. <laughs> so all we could measure was people visiting the site. Yeah. This is this is not going to be something that could be procured by the NHS. And we also can't tie it back to user journeys and people's changes in you know, behavior change, etc. We started to develop the we knew we wanted to develop an app anyway, because that actually came out of the co-design that people wanted it as an app. I was like, oh, yeah, no problem. <laughs> uh, <laughs> knowing it was like hundreds of thousands of pounds later to be able to do something like that. It's like, you know, at that, that beginning phase, it was really tricky to manage expectations. But as we developed the app, we were able to think, start thinking about some of the data points. And there are some things we've got right and there's some things we've got wrong. So one of the things that we we got right was we got we've always done everything by consent. So the families consent to sharing their data back, their reward data. And we've really put them families in charge. And that's because I think we're community led and clinically approved. So we thought about those families and thought, well, they should be in charge of it. And then when we think about the reporting aspect, we need to think about obviously what we can pull out and how we how we show success, how we show not just the uptake and the usage, but that was something that obviously we needed to do immediately for NHS England and before NHS England as well, because we actually had 30% of clinics on DigiBeat before we were commissioned by NHS England. So that was an administrative nightmare for anybody who's thinking about doing something that way. Um, <laughs> can you imagine trying to manage all those different accounts like as a small company it was a bit initially you're like this is amazing and yeah, then you're and like oh, oh. Like, reality struck. <laughs> yeah really challenging and but even just at ccg level which it was at the time rather than icb but you know it was still going to be really challenging because really fragmented and 
Anyway, so we needed to prove the data. So we started looking at and we put data into the back of the beginnings of data into the back of the clinic portals that for other healthcare professionals can see. And then we had super admin, obviously. So we could start reporting back what people are using. But these days we do use a much more kind of comprehensive dashboard, which reports back and we can look at the national, we can look at countries, we can look at the four nations, if you like, how they're performing. We can go drill down to regional NHS regions and we can see compare region versus region. We can compare clinics versus clinics, similar size clinics. And, you know, initially it was all about uptake and, and then we were looking at, you know, learning awards and all of those things. So it's been, it, again, it's been a learning curve. But one of the things I think we haven't quite got right and we're still looking at is, well, actually, I wouldn't say we, 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 we're we solving now, is the reporting of the inequality data. So when we first set up, we were quite hesitant about asking people's ethnicity because we thought people would be like, well, why are you asking me that? That was the feedback we got at the time. So I think I think we did the right thing not asking it, but it's difficult then to report on the other side. We also, because we're a population type one where it's quite small, postcode data is really challenging to collect because you don't want to collect a whole postcode because that's telling people where your house is. But because it'd only be one person, even in four digits, sometimes it would live within a postcode area. That's sort of identifiable. So that's really difficult as well. So we've had lots of discussions about how we how we report. And one of the ways we've got around this is actually by usage and by clinical data. So the fact that we can report 100 percent uptake in some of the most deprived areas of England and Wales is actually pretty good. So we can show that in clinics like Blackpool, you know, that we've got that. 100% uptake shows that we are reaching all populations so we're able to sort of show that in a bigger bigger picture and then we're looking at the translations of resources and then reporting the usage of those sort of things and that gives us quite a good feel for how things are going. So your key performance indicators at the moment are measuring uptake you can measure the usage of resources and which yeah. resources, you know, like are most pop, you know, which ones are exactly. most used. Five most popular videos, the awards, whether people have done the quizzes or got the quiz master award. And that is the structured education part. Not that you need to, but have you ever, you know, like, can you ever measure that your app helps improve patient health outcomes? So that's kind of mapped in with NPDA data, actually. Okay. Um, National Pediatric Diabetes Auto data. And the way that we've done this at the moment is we've done qualitative evaluations. So we've actually gone to the clinics and asked for patients and families to, you know, so it's a hands-off thing, but it's a service evaluation that's been done by academics to, and it's not a measurement, but it's a, it's a way of evaluating how we're impacting. And then we've also interviewed the healthcare professionals in those services as well to ask them. We've done it through the app too. So we've asked patients directly through the app, do you feel this is improving your, your management of type 1 diabetes? And we've got a report back. So we had over a thousand people um, did that survey for us. And we had four out of five said that they would, they do do think it is improving their um, management. And we also had like 90% saying they would recommend it to somebody else living with type one diabetes, which is pretty good. Only Um, 90? Why wouldn't you? Why did not 100? (laughs) Crazy. Yeah. (laughs) So we do... Periodic surveys, that's after three months of use, six months of use. So we're sort of understanding the journey that way. In terms of clinical data, this is where it gets really tricky, I think. This is where it's absolutely brilliant to have a 
person uh, the kind of innovator and the clinician working together on this stuff because you know you can have some really robust conversations around it and challenge each other a bit so Fiona and I do challenge each other quite a lot on this sort of stuff so looking at the clinical data there's so many things happening in diabetes like you've mentioned so pumps continuous glucose monitors closed loop technology digibeat all in the mix and other things And so it's very difficult with the National Paediatric Diabetes Audit to say that Digibeat has been the thing that's made a difference in blood glucose, because we know that the tech will will have a huge impact on the blood glucose changes. But what we can say is whilst Digibeat's been in use, HbA1c has gone down every single year across the national, but we can't we can't sort of say it's because of us, but there's a contribution factor there. And we haven't done a control trial between patients that have got it and patients that haven't got it. And it would be a good thing to do, but we would only be able to do it probably in a developing country where there's not much tech. And, and actually we do have a, we do have that kind of set up in Pakistan as we're helping them develop a sort of digibeat over there for their NGO, you know, so that's something that we're supporting just from, you know, a tech for good basis. But so we might be able to do stuff like that in a different way. I think the reason why I ask, and I, I'm just a, a parent in this instance, the, the, when the new NICE guidance came out about closed loop, one of the things that I, what I interpreted from that document was they looked, talked about, you know, like return on investment. Yeah. And at the moment, it mm. was, you know, like the return on investment wasn't great, but they were going to approve it because it would really it would impact there was enough kind of evidence to say it would impact you know like the family and the youth the person with diabetes quality of life so sometimes yeah it was and that was more like you know like investment but actually if you can demonstrate you might not be able to demonstrate I mean the clinical outcome but if you can get enough people that patient experience to say, I believe and I live with the condition that this has made a difference. It can be extremely, extremely powerful. In an ideal world, you'd want both. I completely agree. And we have gone down that road. I mean, we've got that through the app survey. That's over a thousand people have said that. And and we've got that through our qualitative evaluations across four sites as well. So I think we've definitely got that kind of information. But I guess five or six years ago, people were really pushing for that. Like, but I think they're understanding now that quality of life is actually the key. With a long-term condition, as long as you are really supporting people to live a better life with the you know with the condition then that's the mission isn't it really and if you're solving some in the middle of the night and one of the things we have had reported back from healthcare professionals is the reduced contacts ad hoc yeah. contacts because they can people can look at the sick day rules quickly they can recap stuff in video or written format they can see their the information from the clinic it's just all those little things so we've had reduction in contacts we've also had a YHEC evaluation which is health economics evaluation and we can prove that DigiBeat is saving quite a bit of money for the service by the reduction of those things but also um, in communications and actually helping teams to communicate more broadly with their patients and more often with better care habits and that's if it's used to its maximum that's what you're hoping for and so yeah there's 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 definitely an economic argument and a quality of life argument that we're making for this so we are developing integrated neighborhood teams and i think diabetes lends itself really well to an integrated neighborhood team and Mm. i think which includes industry 
which includes yes. having a DigiBeat champion that might be a young person. It would include some, it might include Dexcom, it might include Libra, depending on, it might include Imatronic, it would yeah. include a dietitian, it might include a pharmacist, it might include a nurse. And because cohorts of patients are relatively quite small, you can do that in group consultations online in person and you can have that pathway where actually the patient goes one place goes to one place and all of the support is around that pa- those or those patients and there is that peer support element as well yeah i think it'd be, i think that's wonderful that's I'm the dream that is the dream <laughs> that's my Let's dream ics is where this is you know it's hope this is where we're going with it but it's a long, it's, you know, again, it's uh, it's in its early phases, isn't it? Some the, yeah. the reorganisation of the health system whilst in a massive kind of crunch as well, which is, you know, really tricky. But yeah, I mean, I think we would like to get as many boots on the ground as possible over time to support families. But there's an awful lot we can do digitally as well. And, and you know, if, if you're interested in knowing more, please reach out to me because I'd be very happy to discuss or one of our team can discuss with you how you can sort of, even just signpost you beat or get it in your service. I know lots of ICSs are putting it on their healthy together pages. And, you know, that's a good place for families, family hubs. And it might also share a bit of awareness. So things like if you want our awareness film, people are always very ginger about asking us, do you think we could possibly have it for our website? Like, of course. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, we made it. <laughs> yeah. So just to be really clear, if you could only ask for one thing from those listening to this podcast, so health and care professionals, what one thing could they do? One thing or can I have two? You can have two, go on. Okay, two. The first the first thing would be, please know the 40s. Please know when young people come in with tired, thirst, toilet, thinner, they need, they need a blood check and it, and it doesn't cost anything. It's one blood strip at the end of the day. Please do that. The second thing I suppose is is to say that we are here for the community. So we, 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 we see ourselves as being, you know, an extension of the NHS services in your area. Please put signpost us on your site. Please show people where they can get help because there is help out there. And I think Tara, you were saying it took a little while for you to know that it was there. And, and we do hear that sometimes. And, you know, we want to make sure that if you've got diabetes clinics in your, t- in your area, make sure they're using it and signposting it. It's free and it's there for you. What's your email? So I'm Maddie, M-A-D-D-I-E at digibeat.org. We'll put your email link in the show notes. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Tara. I was going to say one last thing. Go You've on. inspired me, Tara, to, to, to start getting a bit fitter and I've been doing <laughs> a bit more on my fitness. So I think there's lots of shared learning from all of us in the healthcare service, isn't there, about really thinking about how we're managing ourselves as well. And it has been absolutely amazing to connect with you and to, to share some of our passions. So thank you very much. My pleasure. so much for joining us if you like what you hear I would absolutely love it if you left us an iTunes rating and five star review I know many of you give us a shout out on social media which is lovely to see you guys listening to the podcast so please come and find us on Twitter at THC Primary Care on Instagram and on LinkedIn just look for Tara Humphrey and if you're not subscribed to our newsletter please do you get to hear more insights more confessions some tips and tools and a roundup of our activity over the week so click on join the newsletter in the show notes and I will see you in the next episode.